Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. The movies this week are Action Jackson and Remo Williams, The Adventure Begins. Lots of butt-kicking and no plot. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to themidnightdrivein at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food or drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Yeah, I've been, uh, I've been playing Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, how is it? Because I'm reading a lot of things that they're like, this is glitchy as fuck. I haven't had a whole lot, but I mean, it's very obvious that it's ma- it's definitely made for the new generation console, and they have to downgrade some of it just for mm-hmm. Xbox One and stuff, which I understand. I mean, I'm not blaming them for that, but I have noticed a couple, like, just you walk up to somebody and they pretty much look like the blank from Dick Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And then, and then finally, like their their face, like you know, pops into po- existence. Yeah, pops in. But this is kind of weird. But it's pretty awesome. You uh, start it. You start creating your character. You know, usual hair, hairstyle, hair color. Um, you know, what color do you want your eyes? What kind of eyes do you want? You know, that whole. Bullshit and then do. it's like, but now you're Keanu Reeves. No. <laughs> um, but you're going through all that. And I picked a male, of course, because I usually do. Um, but I'm going through all that. And like, well, I just set my jawline. And then it, the next section is like, uh, pick your penis type. And I was like, what? No. Eh. I don't think you should have to do that. There's your penis type. Yep. So there's many, two different two different selections. I'm I didn't circumcised look, and uncircumcised. It's my assumption. I did not did not uh, look too closely to figure out what the difference was. I'm just like, oh, well, something's changing. I just can't tell. No, there's no fucking way I could have resisted. I would have spent five and a half hours, <laughs> like in high def, zooming in, being like, <laughs> hmm. Um. And then the next like drop down menu is change your penis size. So, uh, right, so you gotta give, you gotta give them a big, big old dick. There's you know the default, and then there's small, and then there's big. Uh, that is so fucking random. And then you can choose. Hey, just because you're a dude doesn't mean doesn't mean you can't switch it up. You can have a vagina if you want. Yeah, they'd been talking about that, that they made the characters completely gender fluid. Yeah. So you can put, like, tits on a dude or put a penis on a chick. Yeah. 
It was just uh, I've seen some people saying they're totally doing the uh, sleepaway camp version of Cyberpunk <laughs> 2020. So it was just a jarring thing that just happened. Well, so I was like, I wasn't ready for this. The, and, then, the, and then you you have the tough decision. Well, I mean, what color are my pubes going to be? Of course, it's like neon green, because why wouldn't it be? I find this whole discussion very upsetting. Just so <laughs> I was gonna say, to, take it, to take it back to a little bit of levity, uh, there is a driver issue in that game on PC that apparently is causing people to randomly spawn tiny trees everywhere. <laughs> okay. And, and by tiny trees, I mean, like, literally, like, to scale in the game, three or four inch trees everywhere. So, like, you walk into a living room, and there's, like, random trees all over the place. That's <laughs> so weird. Yeah. Yeah, I've only done, like, a few missions. But, I don't know, it seems alright. There's some confusing stuff I still gotta figure out, but... I mean, I love, I love the tabletop game. Mm-hmm. Uh, breaking news. Boo, by the way. Uh, Tiny Lister passed away. Oh, really? Yeah. How long ago was that? That's... Uh, law enforcement sources tell us they got a call from the actor's apartment complex just before 3 p.m. today. So. How, how old is he? 50s? Six, 62. 60s? 62. Okay. I mean, That's I, guess, a I guess he's in his 60s, but... He's unconscious. Nobody, you know, they don't know what he's doing yet. Stop rubbing on the computer, cat. Go. Get out of here, fucker. <sighs> Good times. Well, I mean, that's sad. Should we go back to talking about how you get to choose your own penis? And uh, Iro- I- there's, Ironically, there's he was murdered by Hulk Hogan in a no-holds-barred match. <laughs> something they're not telling us underground no old barred matches Uh, underground old man wrestling you know what the fucked up thing is god damn it i would watch underground old man wrestling just nothing (laughs) nothing but 60 plus wrestlers just just trying not to just trying not to shatter a hip with every move (laughs) <laughs> oh my god that's one step away from bum fights at that point well the problem is, is it's one step away from regular professional wrestling with how old and <laughs> decrepit they let some of these wrestlers get and keep bringing them back oh yeah and the interest of fairness is in tiny lister the same age as sting didn't we discuss sting uh he's a, he's a year older okay full year so, I mean, come on don't don't start disparaging him. He's uh, he's got a whole year. Uh, did anybody watch any uh, fucking awesome trailers today? I didn't watch any of them yet. No, the most the most exciting thing I saw is that they finally made an official announcement for the uh, Willow TV show. Oh yeah. No, they put out a bunch of awesome trailers. So I was watching right before I came on. I logged into YouTube to watch them before we started, but I accidentally just watched old Mitch Hedberg stand up instead. So. Uh, funny enough, while I was scrolling through Facebook earlier, 
I saw my friend post that uh, he people shouldn't tell him he didn't buy that donut because he has the documentation at home. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so yeah, so I watched a trailer for the whatever that dude's name was uh, from Rogue One. Yeah, Andor. Andor. Um, it looks like it could be fun. I don't know. Is is that so, what it's called? Is it just called Andor? Yeah. I believe it's that. Or, yeah. Is it his first name and last name or just his last name? Just his last name. Just Andor. Um, new WandaVision trailer, which looks awesome. I think I might skip the second trailer just because I'm sold on the show. So why yeah, why spoil way. more stuff? Uh, Loki trailer. Oh, really? That's interesting to me. I don't. I have no idea what it's going to be. There's some weird stuff in it. Uh, and have, they fi- <laughs> have they finished saying is it actually going to be uh, Hiddleston or is it going to be young Loki? Because all the he, stuff I kept reading was that it's going to be young Loki. He was in the entire trailer, and there was a lot of action set pieces. So yeah, my understanding yeah. is when he blipped away in Endgame that they're just going to follow where he went at that point. Yep. Yep, that's the that's how they show it in trailer. They show that part of Endgame and then him waking up in the desert, almost like in the first Iron Man movie. Just like, what the fuck? <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer. Looks yeah, all that's, right. That, that's another one. Sold on it. I don't need more trailers. Yeah, they didn't really. I don't know. It wasn't. They have. They haven't but... shown a lot, but. I fucking between Andrew Mackey and Sebastian Stan, I'm yeah. I'm good. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and then the big one I was excited for trailer for uh, the animated What If series. Ooh, yeah. Uh, so it's very exciting for me. Yeah, it's another one where I'm already sold. They don't really need a trailer, but yeah, they showed uh, clips from the What If uh, Peggy Carter took the Super Soldier Serum instead of Steve Rogers. That was kind of cool. Um, what if uh, she she would have been horribly undervalued? Probably. <laughs> uh, she's just she's in a kitchen cooking like at like light speed. <laughs> right. Everyone's just going, "Oh, it's too bad we can't use her for anything else." Uh, looks like one of them was uh, what if the Ravagers kidnapped um, T'Challa instead of Peter Quill. So he basically grows up to be Star Lord. I I believe what you get is way more badass Star Lord. <laughs> it has to be right. Um, yeah. And then I'm looking at a graphic right now. Looks like a bunch of more Star Wars stuff was announced. Looks like they're doing a an Osaka trailer uh, series with Rosario Dawson. Oh yeah, they pretty much confirmed that the second that episode came out. Uh, they pretty much confirmed that when they cast her. The way I look at it, it's like that was, they weren't sure. hiring her for one episode of a show. So. Yeah, and the big assumption everybody's making is that the Thrawn reference she made isn't going to tie into Mandalorian. Thrawn's going to be the sure. bad guy in the Ahsoka series, yeah. which is kind of a neat way to kick it off. I have no problem with that. It reminds yeah. me of old like seventies sitcoms when they'd spin off a character. I yeah. do like the fact that they've basically they said that uh, what's his, the voice actor. Uh, the dead Thrawn. God damn it. What's his name? I don't know. I haven't got that far yet. I think it's... Uh, hold on. Let me look it up. Because I don't want to fuck that up. 
It really doesn't matter the voice actors coming back. Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> no, it's Lars Lars Mickelson. Okay. okay. He's he's actually pretty awesome that there that he's going to be Thrawn. Yeah. They do that when they can, when it's like plausible. Mm. Right. Well, I mean, he's a big scary guy, so I think it'll work. Um, so they got something called Rangers of the New Republic. I don't know what it's about. It's just a graphic. Um, something called Star Wars Visions. Um, a Lando show. Just call so, it Lando. So are they bringing back... What's his name there? I have no clue. From Solo? You know what's... So, here's the fucked up thing. I know how much people uh, love Donald Glover. Like, I get yeah. it. I would much rather it be old Lando. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm fine. Well, yeah, I, I just don't know if you could pin an entire series on, on him as old as he is. I don't know. Maybe he's such a, he's such a charming motherfucker. I think There's he can all, win people over. So I want to say like flirting with his own daughter last time we saw him. So maybe we can just let that go. <laughs> Cause I want to say he's like in his eighties or something. I believe he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, which we all knew was coming. Mm-hmm. Something called the acolyte with like a lightsaber burn across it. I don't know what that is. The it's bad batch. Bad Batch, I think, is a group of clone troopers or something like that. Think, you think Acolyte might be a Kylo Ren series? Don't know. I feel like if it was a Kylo Ren series, we'd know that. But it could be another, like, up-and-coming Dark Side just, user. Yeah, I was going to say, it seems to be a Dark Side reference, and I'm trying to think of people they... I mean, it could be Starkiller. Yeah, it could be. Oh, yeah. Because Acolyte is definitely a better name for the thing than Starkiller. It could also just be a new character that we don't know about yet. I mean, after the success of the Mandalorian, would it shock you if they just are cocky enough to just start inventing characters and sticking them out there and being like, see how awesome we are? <laughs> well, I speaking of the Rangers show, isn't that what What's-Her-Space is supposed to be? Um fuck why is my brain my brain's just not working anymore still got the vid the chick the chick from mandalorian uh mma chick trump supporter gina carino thank you gina carino was didn't they make a reference in the first season that that's what she was that she was a republic ranger maybe very possibly no she was like she's on the battle for endor i know like a lot of weird things about her but i don't know exactly i can't remember the exact word he would have used so um some of the news hayden christensen's returning as darth vader for the obi-wan kenobi series i am not excited about that supposedly returning as both anakin and darth vader so Mm. i assume they'd be like flashbacks of some kind or just like haunted like Obi-Wan's haunted by yeah. the fact that he couldn't save him or whatever. So he, so he's sort of like a force ghost, but not really like he's not a real one. Just in yeah, Obi's just mind. A... Maybe I don't, I don't know how his career kept going. He's not, he's not a good actor. <laughs> Hayden Christensen. Yes. He's not. I don't, I don't understand why you're saying his career kept going. <laughs> I mean, but he's still, he's still, gets jobs and does stuff does. they're not in the types of movies that i would want to watch are you serious 
But who the fuck is hiring him? I don't know. I'm looking this up because I actually don't believe you. And so I have to check for myself. Um, Are you thinking of Hayden Panettiere? Hayden Panettiere from the Scream series? Uh, I was thinking from Heroes, but I believe we're talking about the same person, yeah. Wow. Um, oh, you're right. He does still work and stuff. He uh, does. That's what I'm saying. But it's he was stuff in I've the, never heard the, of. The whatever they were, the the now you see me movies or whatever the fuck it is about the magicians. That uh, dumb, yeah. that dumb shit. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just scrolling through his thing, and like literally the last of the movies that I've actually heard of was from '08. It was Jumper, which is like. I think the one he did, like, I think it's the one that was supposed to be his big breakout after Star Wars. Was oh, done. yeah. I mean, he's he's mostly a uh, straight to DVD movie guy, but people yeah. are still hiring him. And he's just he's not good. He's no, bad. He's a I bad actor. Uh, I don't like you're I, I just when somebody is famous and then they just get to be in direct video movies for the rest of their life. That's just how it works. If they're willing to do those types of movies, then they just get to do them, and that's how it is. Once you're famous, it doesn't matter if you can act. Yeah. I feel I feel like looking through his uh, filmography that now I have research to go back and do, because apparently he was in a single episode of the show Forever Night. Do you guys remember that one? Yeah, oh yeah. The one, the, was it the cop that was a vampire? Yeah, yeah, the vampire yeah. cop. It's on, like, USA at fucking 2 o'clock in the morning for some reason. <laughs> Oh shit! Looks like they they've announced a bunch of Marvel shit too. Um, so they've announced that they're finally they're doing another Fantastic Four movie. Oh yeah, the Phase Five stuff. Yeah, Spider-Man: Homecoming director is going to do it. Is that official or is that a leak? That sounds like it's official. It's another one of these because they had the investor conference today, so they uh. Made a bunch of announcements. Yeah, it was like Fantastic Four, Blade, uh, the third, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, oh, Blade's not even in this. Um, Fantastic Four, apparently Peyton Reed's coming back for Ant-Man and the Wasp, colon, Quantumania. (laughs) That sounds delightful. Um, Which stars Catherine Newton as Cassie Lang. She's from... uh, Freaky, which we'll be talking about later. Um, and Lovecraft Country Breakout, Jonathan Majors as Kang the Conqueror. Um, Rachel McAdams is coming back for the next Doctor Strange movie. Nobody cares. So um, so I think that, that pretty much confirms that the city that we saw in um, Ant-Man was Kang City. Yeah, it's possible. Um, Captain Marvel 2 is set for 2022, which I'm kind of surprised about because I heard rumblings that they were considering just booting Brie Larson because apparently she did not get along with anybody else at the Avengers movies. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much, uh, I don't take much stock in that kind of stuff, but I do know that she managed to go out and do a bunch of interviews and stuff that seemed to ruffle everybody's feathers real bad. Yeah, uh, they're doing a Ms. Marvel series. Um, that's a, 
That that is one of the most interesting ones. So they announced the casting of who's playing Kamala Khan, and everybody's into it because it's this Iman Vellani. Yeah, yeah, it's this uh, uh, Muslim chick who's who's great. You know what I mean? She's yeah. she's been a few things, uh, and everybody was like, "Yes, that's that's what they should be doing." And then apparently they started casting other characters, and these other characters are Muslims and the actors aren't Muslim. They're just middle Eastern people. And people are starting to get all tummy aching about that kind of stuff. And once again, it's one of those things where you're like, pick your fucking battles. Like (laughs) they cast, the cast of the main person. Great. If they fuck something up bad, complain about it. But being like that person's not actually that in real life. How can somebody (laughs) play something in a movie? If they're not that thing. Well, we're, we're gonna have argument. we're gonna have discussions about that here in a second. Okay, that's a little bit different. What we're gonna get to, uh, but before we do, uh, Black Panther two, which apparently the the girl, the sister from that, yeah, Shuri, yeah, apparently she said a bunch of shit that I think she's like an anti masker or some shit. I don't know. No, stop telling Why? me what people say. Right? I ignore it, and then you um, have to tell me about sorry. it. Sorry, my day. All right, well, let's move on. The three new series for Disney Plus, first being Secret Invasion, which sees Samuel Jackson back as Nick Fury and the one dude back as the Scroll Talos. Mm-hmm. Seems weird Sorry. to do without like an Avengers cast being part of it, though. I don't know. We'll see. It'll probably lead up into some movie that'll bring in a bunch Maybe. of the Avengers to stop it. Uh, next is Armor Wars with Don Cheadle coming back as War Machine, exploring what happens when Tony Stark's tech starts falling into the wrong hands. Maybe all right. My assumption entire... is. Be- I was gonna say my assumption is because they're calling it Armor Wars instead of War Machine, that it's one hundred percent gonna be Ironheart and all those characters that well are very divisive. <laughs> then the third one is Ironheart an iron heart series um and it's yeah based on the character from the comic the female girl who's super genius and creates her own iron man tech i just there there are some weird things i get i get what they were trying to do with that character and and that's fine and i i don't hate uh re uh, mask passing, you know what I mean, as much as some other people do. But that character, her comics didn't sell super well. Yeah. And despite the fact that they weren't selling well, they kept pushing her comics, which caused them financial peril. And, and now they're like making a series based off of a thing that people weren't buying in the first place. Uh. We'll we'll see. I mean, they make Guardians of the Galaxy work, so maybe they can like switch that character up enough to make her more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of which, there's going to be two one-offs. I am Groot is a series of shorts featuring Baby Groot and several new and unusual characters. And meanwhile, James Gunn will write and direct the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Oh my god. That sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> uh, if only B. Arthur was still alive. Right? Uh, other other reveals <laughs> that, include... That might, that's not something I thought I'd be hearing 
when we logged right. on tonight. <laughs> oh, if only B. Arthur were around. Uh, other reveals include confirmation that Christian Bale is going to be playing Gore the God Butcher in Thor Love and Thunder. Don't know who that is. Probably be good. I don't know. Random, random Thor bad guy. Yeah, that's what I figured. Uh, apparently, Tim Roth is coming back as Abomination, and Mark Ruffalo is coming back as Hulk for the She-Hulk series. And I was going to say the she- the She-Hulk series is the one I'm nervous about because I really want it to be good because I really really love She-Hulk, <laughs> and I'm like, man, it would be really easy for them to make it bad. Yeah. It would be much harder to make it good than it would be to make it very bad. Uh, apparently, the production on Shang Chi has wrapped. So. Master of fucking kung fu. <laughs> After last week's show, I think we know what Noah's looking forward to the most. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, Which... I don't know if it's going to be any gymnastics or anything. So don't get too excited. Well, we can always hope. I'm well, guarantee you if we search hard enough, there's a comic book character that uses his gymnastic skills to avenge his father's death. <laughs> I just always, the master of Kung Fu comic books from like the, uh, the mid to late seventies are one of my favorite fucking things in the world. The, the artwork is just so kinetic of this dude, just wanton beating the living fuck out of people. Oh yeah. All right. Um, I don't know. Should we talk about stuff from the eighties like we're supposed to? We should. <laughs> Air quote action movies. What exactly is the topic yeah. this week? Like attempts to start series with new action heroes that didn't work out? Because it seems like that's what both these movies are. Maybe under underwatched eighties action movies. <laughs> guys, guys that probably shouldn't the lead in a series of films and should probably play the best friend of the lead but are oh. for some reason given the lead in these movies i disagree i, I think i think carl weathers is pretty awesome oh yeah let's, we'll get into that which in. one are we talking about first let's jump <laughs> in go ahead no why don't you tell us about action jackson motherfucking action jackson uh carl weathers plays a grizzled cop who's been forced to a desk um I guess we don't we don't get the full story, but I'm assuming it's very much a demolition man type thing. Like he just w- used to fuck shit up, and they were like, "Yeah, you can't do that anymore." Well, I think I think the idea is that he they, he was being uh, celebrated for fucking shit up, but then he fucked up the kid of Craig T. Nelson's character, and they didn't like right. that because you're allowed to fuck shit up, you're not allowed to fuck up rich white people. So yeah, that's right. true. Uh, and so we have uh, the coach is, is the bad guy, <laughs> which is always which he, weird. Don't he, get me wrong. He plays a really good bad guy and he plays say, a bad yeah. guy in several things, but it fucks me up every time. Every time I'm like, oh, no, coach, <laughs> <laughs> you need Dauber there to mellow you out. He didn't uh, know he bought a haunted house. It's not his fault. <laughs> Uh, but basically, we have a series of assassinations happening, uh, done by almost supernatural level bad guys. Yeah, especially that first one. That first one, I'm like, ah, this is a different kind of movie than I thought this was going to be. Uh, and 
And that's pretty much it. So we have uh, this cop <laughs> who's, who's slowly going back to his old ways of fucking shit up, uh, hooking up with Vanity, our connection to last week. Mm-hmm. Didn't even realize she was in it. Right. I didn't know who she was until last week, and now apparently right? every week I got to watch a Vanity movie. <laughs> and I mean, and I think we we can all agree that basically this entire movie is just action set pieces, like yeah. in a series, and and. There's a weird montage of Craig T. Nelson uh, doing kung fu no, with some which guy. Is so no, weird. there's not. There's which an, Craig T. Nelson does not do any kung fu. I don't accept <laughs> that statement at all. <laughs> I just love, there is a I very poorly they, edited sequence where they cut back and forth between close-ups of him and then someone else doing kung fu. Right. I was God, I was I was gonna say the best thing is the second they do that, and I was like, you know, that's because he's going to like fist fight Carl Weathers at the end of this movie. And they need to justify that now. (laughs) It's, it's so, okay, let me, I got a bitch about this movie a little bit. Cause that particular moment, first of all, it's terribly done. The scene of him doing Kung Fu. It's like, there are, there are, we even talked about last week. Um, Uncle Jesse never really learned gymnastics. So he just bounced up and down a couple of times and then they'd cut away and show him doing, some guy with a mullet doing flips and you're like, okay, that's him. At least they tried in that one. In this one here, it's just, it looks terrible when they're cutting back and forth between Craig T. Nelson and that stunt guy that doesn't look anything like him. And then you're like, oh, this scene serves no purpose whatsoever except to justify the inevitable fight that's coming up. Well, that's 100% what it is. It's an 80s movie. They had to do it to justify it. But then, like... It's first of all, it's still fucking Craig T. Nelson against Carl Weathers. It's still not justified. I don't care. And then just just write in a fucking henchman that follows him around all the time and fucking have that guy be the last big fist fight. And then Craig T. Nelson right. just gets blowed up or whatever. It's fine. Well, I mean, like, there's he, things to do. He he already has a mustachioed Asian thug number one from every 80s movie. Yeah. Yeah. So so that guy could have done it. Uh, I'll tell you there's one plenty thing. Of guys I, in this movie that could have fought Carl Weathers at the end. You just have them. Well, there's lots of hench- henchmen from Die Hard in this movie. There's lots of henchmen from every '80s action movie. It is just <laughs> the cast of this movie is just every face is recognizable. It's fascinating, and a lot of them are like the kind of guys you, that you recognize them, and then you go to their IMDb and you're like, I still don't know who this guy is, but I definitely recognize him. <laughs> I, I was going to say, one thing I always forget, man, Craig T. Nelson really is a big motherfucker. He's a big guy, yeah. He's just yeah. not... He is. You know what that he dude. reminds me of, like, a Donald Trump. Like, he's big, but I'm not physically intimidated by him in that way. Like, if, if he was actually fighting, like, a real, like, a Carl Weathers, I'm not concerned about who's going to uh, Can we make Can we make, like, a... Uh... Go fund me to have Carl Weathers fight Donald Trump because I am totally on board. <laughs> yeah, one at one hundred percent. And Carl Weathers in this movie is ripped like Jesus a man action figure. I didn't even know uh, there were like the muscles in the body <laughs> actually went together like that. Oh no, Jesus yeah, he's Christ. well, he's. I mean, this is about Rocky Four time, right? So, or a little bit after. So yeah. it's like he's really in that prime of his, you know, career of doing this type of stuff. He'd just done Predator, so it's <laughs> not really shocking that he's in that good of shape. But 
Which which I read that he came up with the idea for this movie on the set of Predator. Oh, really? Him and the because it's the same producer, Joel Silver. Okay. They're talking about yeah, their I saw, love. I saw that. They're talking about their love of seventies black exploitation movies, and decided they wanted to make one, so they made this. Okay, that's not. That I makes do... a lot of sense to me. That that's how they came up with this movie. I think somebody needs to explain to them that black exploitation A was kind of over in the mid '80s, and B, oh, for sure. it really doesn't work on a PG-13 level, and that seems to be what they were trying to do. I don't think this was PG-13. I think they were trying, and I think they failed. I mean, they had there was lots of nudity. Yeah, I was going to say there was too much vanity tits for PG-13. I and think. Sharon Stone tits, and and Sharon Stone tits. That's always good to see. <laughs> <laughs> It's I, the cast blows my mind. Like fucking Biff Tannen's in it. Obviously, Bill Duke yeah. is in it. So probably <laughs> just because they went up to him That's on the set of Predator and were just like, "That was literally the first thing I pointed out." Me and Shar were watching it, and I was like, "That's Biff fucking Tannen as a cop. This is yeah. weird." <laughs> yeah, uh, can we talk about his partner for a second? Yeah, I feel like they got the guy that was like. Shakespeareanly trained at the local regional theater <laughs> to play this beat cop because when they're driving around and they pick up that one guy and he's in the back seat, he's trying to like insult him, and it's almost it's almost like uh um oh did your parents share share familial DNA before you were born? Huh. And it's just, it's just, it is. It's what? Like, why you, you're, you're accusing him of his mom and dad being brother and sister. Why do you have to try to sound pretentious while doing that? <laughs> it's so weird. It's, it, I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> and he just sounds that way the entire movie. Yeah. And they, they come back to him a lot of times, too. <laughs> I, I must say, this was a first time watch. I'd never seen this one. Me too. And and upon too, watching actually. it, I'm kind of mad that I've never seen it before. Because <laughs> this is this is my type of 80s garbage. And I, I don't know everything about it, like the stereotypical uh police chief and oh my god, just all of it. Some of the some of the fight scenes, how ridiculous they are. The one-liners that don't make any fucking sense, and I don't know if they did that on purpose. Uh, and it's supposed to be a joke or if it's bad writing i think it's bad writing because there's like a lot of other examples of bad writing besides the one-liners that don't make any sense i I was gonna say like at one point he says chill out to a dude and then hits him with like a flamethrower and i was like is that that's the opposite supposed to be like ironic that's not a good (laughs) one-liner yeah yeah no it's it, there was a lot of that stuff and then there was like like that the whole thing where there was that um that one bodyguard guy that was guarding vanity at the, and then carl weathers had to knock him out in order to get into her room and then later in the movie he just shows up to play hero and save the day and it's like well, what's he doing here like a lot of that shit i'm like that's you forgot to write in enough reasons for him to just randomly be showing up at the end it's not making any sense i do like that <laughs> character though i don't know i forgive once once again hey, it's mr ed yeah i forgive i forgive this that? movie so much stuff just because i feel like i don't know like 
they knew what 80s movies were while it was still the 80s. And they were like, fuck it, let's just do all that shit. Yeah, I don't know. I For me, the problem with the movie is, like, the humor that they try, none of it works for me at all. And it really pulls me out of the movie. Like, they keep doing the same joke where they're like, they ask a question and then you get the answer on screen. Like, at one point, Craig T. Nelson looks at Vanity and he's like, why should I listen to you? And she's like, I'll give you two reasons. And then takes her shirt down. And I'm like, that's not funny. And then there's the moment where she's like, why would they call you action? And then immediately action Jackson has to jump into action and go and do his thing. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't find that joke funny. And I don't think it's executed well. And they do it like 10 times in the movie. And then there's the whole subplot about that guy that is scared of action Jackson because <laughs> if, if yeah, and his that. partner told us that like he, they just tell him like, Oh yeah, there's this guy and he's scary. What? And they're like, yeah, he's like a Bigfoot. What? And then every time he sees him, he like faints and he just keeps <laughs> showing up throughout the movie and fainting. And I'm like, but there's ways to do that joke, which I would find funny. It would probably have to involve like him actually seeing Jackson do something and not just hear that the guy's really a Bigfoot. Or well, or, or or see Jackson with his shirt off with his fucking God muscles. <laughs> well, yeah, you know what, though? That could have been a way to do it. There could have been a moment where he's like, that guy doesn't look so tough. And then like there's a scruffle and his shirt comes off and he's standing there all giant muscular looking like Apollo Creed. And they're like, Oh shit, he is that tough. And then now he believes all the stories. That's a, that, that could be a way to do it. The way it's executed in the movie. I don't like it. And when you don't like the humor in the movie and there's this much of it, it it's problematic. I suppose all that's understandable. I don't know. I, I fucking had such a great time watching this. And uh, the only thing that makes me sad about this movie is that there were not 20 sequels. I do not know why there aren't eight Action Jackson movies in, in a Blu-ray box set that I have. Well, because they would have only sold one copy. Well, that's probably Nick. Carl Mother's mom would have probably bought one, too. So. Ouch. Uh, I just, I, th- I think you're wrong. This movie's fucking awesome. I, I honestly... It's got, it's got its bad bits and its flaws, and I get, I get that it has a lot of technical issues like there's bad filmmaking involved but this movie's fucking awesome well i have i have something for you now it's i mean it's kind of a consolation prize but um there was a movie called dangerous passion that overseas they marketed it as action jackson too even though they have nothing to do with each other um but (laughs) so security man goes to work for a sadistic gangster with an alluring wife Of course, the wife and the security man immediately hit it off. After the gangster kills a lawyer in front of the security man, the wife and the security man go on the run with Hitman on their trail. Now, it might be okay, it might not be okay, but it should be noted, the gangster is played by Billy D. Williams. So Billy D. Williams and Carl Weathers together. Man, I bet bet that, that gets my hope so high, and I bet it's really bad. It probably is. I don't know. Like, like I said, I I just had so much fun. This movie's it's over the top and ridiculous, and I I think somehow he he kills a guy with Christmas lights, and I still don't quite understand the uh, <laughs> the physics. 
because he like he just like yanks on a thing and the guy's up a tree and the guy's like ah and, and just dies you're like wait <laughs> what the fuck just happened i don't know what just happened no I, I think what happened there is that they filmed a scene that didn't actually make any sense so <laughs> agreed yeah. that i don't think that that's necessarily unintentional on their end i think they were happy to have it make no damn sense like what was it, the whole thing where he goes to the bar looking for that guy and then they just have this whole scene where there's a gang in the bar with Friday the 13th part 5 guy is going to cut his nuts off and I'm like I don't understand what why this is happening right now I don't really don't get like what the hell is going on and then it turns out to be completely irrelevant cuz he goes back to the hotel and the guy at the hotel is just like oh yeah if you're looking for that guy he's dead go talk to this other person instead and so that whole scene was just like filler Agreed. Although, doesn't it? After watching that scene, did Quentin Tarantino crib that? I mean, <laughs> probably. Because that scene in Pulp Fiction, I was like, "This is the scene from Pulp Fiction without a gimp mask." Like that's that's what's going on right now. You're not wrong, but I, I feel like this was heavily influenced by other things, and so probably Quentin Tarantino was ripping off the same thing that these guys are ripping off. Maybe. And, and how dare you? Accused Quentin Tarantino of stealing something and putting it in one of his movies. That's ridiculous. I mean, other than every shot in every movie he's ever made from the <laughs> time till now. But besides that, what else has he ever stolen? Exactly. How dare you? It's it's homaging because he admits to it. It's not stealing. It's stealing when you pretend you didn't do it. <laughs> At least um, there were no feet. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's true. Um, so it sounds like me and Noah are pretty positive on this and Doug is not yeah that's about right I didn't hate it but I just I I thought it had so much more potential than what it pulled off because you've got Carl Weathers right he's good like everything he does he does well and I think like a lot of like Craig T. Nelson is good as the bad guy just don't make him try to fight Carl Weathers have him have a guy that fights Carl Weathers you know what I mean like a lot of that stuff where I'm just like have have them threatening to cut off his balls in a bar that's fine but then don't end that very tense scene with him pretending to be a brain damaged person that thinks he's a preacher that doesn't work for me (laughs) that was awfully weird so it was just it was very strange and I found the um I mean, there was just a lot of these different things that were wrong with it for me. The whole subplot of Vanity's like a drug user and he's trying to get her to stop was very heavy handed. And I'm just like, we can, there's again, if you want your anti-drug message in your movie, that's fine. That's a positive message to put in your movie. There's ways to do it. But we should mention that she's completely clean by the end. She's done it. Kicked it. Yeah. Not addicted to anything anymore. She's not actually clean. You know anything about how addiction works, but anyways, <laughs> for movie purposes, yeah. And again, like that's there, there's a way to do that subplot well, but I think it's also hard to do that subplot in a movie with the recurring joke about the guy that pops up and faints whenever he sees Carl Weathers. So Action Jackson, just too many problems with it, but uh, Jim Cotta, perfectly fine. 
problems. Jim Cotta had none of the problems we just discussed. There was what? nobody who stood up and fainted every time he saw Jim Cotta. <laughs> I, I agree with Doug because once again, Jim Cotta is a perfect movie. <laughs> I'm just saying, I got a lot of grief for not liking Jim Cotta. And, and now here, Doug's not enjoying Action Jackson. It's, it seems it's fine. like the last several movies we've done, we always have a dissenter in the group. <laughs> That seems to be the last 153 episodes, pretty much. <laughs> That's not true. There's been a few that we agree on. Yeah, every now and again. Um, should we even mention Sharon Stone in this movie? I. Did, what the fuck was up with Sharon Stone in this movie? Because, like, they brought her in and they were like, okay, here's what we need you to do. We need you to, like, sexy backless dress. Uh, weird shower scene, half naked, show us your tits, uh, and now you're dead. That's all we need. We need like four scenes. We don't need anything else from you. Yeah. I need a Sharon Stone extended cameo. Well, she was, I guess plot wise, she's the one that led Carl Weathers to vanity. Right. Mm -hmm. And then she also helped us see just how evil. Craig T. Nelson is because he murders her on screen. Yeah. Right. I just think I think it, at that time in the eighties, I mean, she was kind of like, was she? Big, she was a draw. Was she really? She hadn't had a basic instinct yet, but yeah, that's yeah what I'm saying. she wasn't. She wasn't on top of the world, but she was. Uh, she was a name. See, I, I somehow believe it or not, I mainly remember her from basic instincts so i'm trying to remember, like think of what she was in that's that's that. because uh, every time you think of basic instinct it literally erases your brain it's like a hard drive reset uh total recall oh right yeah but i don't think i knew who oh. she was in total recall oh i think i just like i think it was like after the fact where i realized the girl from basic instinct was the girl in total recall she was in a uh west craven movie deadly blessing she was in deadly blessing yeah I like that movie. Although that might be one I didn't see until later. I mean, it's always it's always nice to come across a movie like this just to remind you that, man, she was fucking hot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, she just she was. She's just an outrageously attractive human being. No, I don't Noah, think anyone's arguing that point. But Noah coming in with the controversial statements. Wow. <laughs> I don't think people are going to argue that point with you. Uh, Vanity, also attractive. Yeah. Sharon Stone. Like, I think two years after this is when Vanity is like, you know what? I'm super religious now. I'm not going to do this anymore. That's so weird. Maybe not two years. Maybe it was a couple more, but. And then she dies of kidney failure. (sighs) Yeah. Years of drug abuse. (laughs) Well, she had like, uh, I don't know. doesn't matter. It's not relevant to the conversation. Um. Yeah, I don't know. Anything else about Action Jackson? Uh, if, I mean, if you're an 80s action movie person, it's it's worth picking up. I don't know if I agree with that. Don't listen to Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Things are different in Canada. I say give it a watch. They don't yeah. they don't love Carl Weathers like we do. <laughs> no, I, and again, I, I don't think it's on him. I think he is. I think Carl Weathers is doing his job. I just don't think he was in the right movie. And it's kind of disappointing because I think he could have done better if they let him be more of an action star and edited down the poor attempts at comedy. Yeah, it even, is. Even... Sorry, go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say it was it was a little disappointing to go back and look at his like IMDb because I was like, why? Why didn't Carl Weathers do like a bajillion of these 80s action movies? It seems like such a perfect thing for him. And I started looking and man, he he hit a stride and, he you know, he's got Predator and fucking Rocky and all that kind of shit. It, and then he does this and then it's like, no, no, now you're the sidekick for every other movie or you're straight to video or some low budget schlock. Yeah. You know what I mean? I doesn't, don't, get I don't any love, doesn't get any love until Happy Gilmore. Right, right. That's it's it's really it a real resurgence for him. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, know, he plays Chubbs in multiple movies. It just seems like he should have had a much more uh prestigious career. Does, it, that, does that make again, sense? Again, I, I think if you took him and you put him in you know any one of the roles that Stallone was playing around ninety around eighty eight or whatever, you know, I think he he had the ability to do it. They just didn't put him in those roles. Well, yeah, and you can understand what he's saying. Now, would that have hindered him? Because maybe, <laughs> you know, Stallone, oh, maybe it, it's hard to know because Stallone rewrites all the scripts. So maybe he writes the characters to not be able was, to talk for the sake of making it make sense. I was getting ready to say they think it's the Stallone rewrites that fixes things. But the truth is, it's really just his mumbling that smooths over bad scripts. <laughs> all right. Well, should we uh, move on, Doug? Do you want to tell us about Remo Williams? The adventure begins. Begins and then kind of fades out and ends. Um, oh, there, there's a sequ- there's a sequel. We'll get yeah, to yeah, a made-for-TV sequel that aired <laughs> once and had none of the original cast. Uh, it doesn't count. Oh, um, right. <laughs> Way to ruin that piece of trivia. Sorry. Continue. Because <laughs> I wanted it to have the original cast, and then I probably would have tried to watch it and not. <sighs> But it does have Roddy McDowell as a fake Korean person, so. Yeah, that's upsetting. <laughs> At least they kept that trend alive. Um, anyways, I don't know, Fred Ward plays a cop who is ambushed during his coply duties. And he uh, turns out it was all part of a scheme to recruit him because he's well-suited to be in some super-secret organization that reports directly to the president. But we don't actually get to see the president. The closest thing we get is Wilfred Brimley. Um, I mean, that's and, basically the president, right? Uh, Listen, uh, don't take it. Never, never, ever say the name Wilfred Brimley negatively ever again. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't attacking him. Just, uh, Jesus. Yes, Poor man saved us from the thing and then fought off <laughs> diabetes for decades afterwards. <laughs> I just, I just love the fact that Wilford Brimley only has like two settings. He's like low key, awesome actor in a bunch of movies or fucking giant mustachioed, <laughs> gruffly voiced guy <laughs> in everything else. That's not true. Didn't he have a Cajun accent in that one John claude Van Damme movie? Oh yeah. That's right. And he was in one of those Ewok movies that we were discussing last week. Fuck yeah. That's true. He's, he's fucking everywhere. And he's yes. got the diabetes. Played the uh, Postmaster General on Seinfeld. That's right. I was thinking in my head that he was Postmaster General, and I couldn't think of where <laughs> I knew it from. <laughs> anyways, where were we in our plot description? So anyways, 
now that they've got Fred Ward, they've faked his death and they've kind of forcefully recruited him into this organization. They're going to have him trained by uh, a Korean guy. Um, Chun. Yeah, by Chun, which that character would have been very, very racist had it been played by an Asian actor. <laughs> the fact that it's played by a white actor in yellow face takes it to such an unbelievably beyond racist point. I just don't understand how Jeff Hong did not play this character. I don't. How do you not find? Or James Hong. Sorry. Yeah, whatever. Anybody. I don't care who. Don't. <laughs> any, any Asian person on the face of the Any planet. Asian person. It's yes. It's any Asian person. It's you just. I don't get it. But anyways. So then, yeah. yeah well, you, then, you can even be that subtly racist where you just get an Asian person and say he's Korean, even though he's not Korean. But well, they didn't even bother with that. No. And it's like there's quotes from them like that I read, I think, on Wikipedia, where they're like, well, we assumed we were going to use an Asian actor. Actually, they say Oriental actor, which I know is huh. technically unacceptable. <laughs> and then, then they're like, but we couldn't find one. So then I thought of this other guy. And it's like, what are you talking about? You couldn't find an Asian actor. I don't know if you know this, but they make up a very large percentage of the world. Asian people. <laughs> it's not like some niche group that there's only 12 of them in the world. It's like, Oh, anyways. Oh, so anyways, that guy trains Fred Ward to be like super soldier guy who can dodge bullets and shit. And walk on wet cement without sinking in it and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it trains them for like 45 goddamn minutes. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of training. That's really the bulk of the movie. And I think the logic is that this is supposed to be setting up a series of films. So his mission, which I honestly oh. was not paying enough attention to understand exactly what the mission is. Like, I've stopped <laughs> the bad guys, basically. Stop the bad military contractor guys is the mission. And they go and do that. And they recruit um, a female army intelligence officer along the way to assist them. Kate Mulgrew? Uh, her name is Captain Janeway. Thank oh, you. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, then they blow everything up. The Asian stereotype guy literally walks on water at the end of the movie because of how Asians are magic. And this movie's not that racist, but it's pretty racist. Uh, um, I do believe Chun would inform you that not all Asians are magic, only Koreans. That's a valid point, actually. <laughs> uh, Did you mention he's obsessed with uh, soap operas? No, no. I assume we're going to get into the details as we uh, discuss the film. You mentioned okay. that forty-five minutes of it is the training, so we're going to have to spend most of our discussion on that. Oh my god! So I, I hear the groaning. Yeah, I you loved it. You loved it. Yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. Because they're they're blatantly aping a bunch of Asian Shaw Brothers movies like Thirty Six Chamber Shaolin and all that kind of stuff. One hundred percent. I mean, that's that's one hundred percent what they're doing. Where the training is the movie. It's like you introduce a problem at the beginning of the movie. The whole movie is training, and then the end of the movie, he goes and uses his kung fu to beat the shit out of someone. Yeah, and that's what this is. Um... I'll take it a step further and say the reason I'm not bothered by the 45 minutes of training 
it's just because I really like the relationship between those two guys. I really wish that it's hard to sit back and say I enjoyed watching the scenes where the white guy is playing the Asian guy because it's very problematic. But I liked the interactions between them. I thought he was quite funny in the role um, when he's constantly bad-mouthing Fred Ward and he's, you know, always 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 constantly criticizing him and like he's like fred ward has a fear of heights and he keeps referring to it as your childish fear of heights he won't call it just a normal fear of heights stuff like that i found very funny i thought um at one point he's like what lesson was that that we learned this morning i call it an embarrassment you call it lesson four (laughs) and i'm just like what a dick i like him well I, i i i agree this this movie, the most stressful part of this movie is the most problematic character is easily the best character in the movie. Yes. So what the I, fuck are you supposed to do with that? What the fuck I are you supposed to I do don't, it's with, hard. with racist character being played in a racist way by a white actor in yellow face? I mean... For fuck's sakes, it's so it's so much bad stuff. But God damn it, it's so fun. like it's you fucking funny love that shit. character, yeah. And he's funny, yeah. and it's it's and it's and, and you never it never feels malicious. No, I think I think that's what you have to understand though. People at the time didn't know or didn't understand that painting someone yellow was a bad thing because they did it in other movies as well and this movie was nominated for an oscar because of how well they painted him yellow uh, it's fucking fascinating uh, that i didn't know that bit of the story it, that's yeah, it, that's so much worse <laughs> <laughs> but it's i mean it I, i'm not justifying it i'm just providing the context to say that like in our lifetime there was a period of time where it was acceptable in society still wrong but acceptable to do this and these guys don't like they they didn't hide it the guys that made short circuit didn't hide the fact that they were doing this um so i don't know what to do with that like you you can sit there and say like well then i'm never gonna watch a movie from that era again okay but you know i when i picked this movie and put it on the list it's because i hadn't seen it since the 80s and in all honesty i did not know it was going to be a white guy in yellow face when i turned the movie on i assumed it was going to be an old asian man because <laughs> that's I, my memory I of it honest, is just that nobody told me when i was a kid i honestly didn't figure out it was a white guy in yellow face until halfway through the movie because i kept staring at him and i was like why does this dude look so fucking weird like his eyes look weird and I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, who is this actor and got on there? And I was like, Oh, it's prosthetics. Oh, they gave him prosthetic Asian eyes. That's the, that's the issue. <laughs> oh, those are prosthetic Asian eyes. <laughs> that's, that sounds like a punk band. <laughs> I just, I, I love the fact that the bulk of the racist jokes are at the expense of white people. Oh yeah, yeah. Which which can almost in this giant racist kerfluffle we find ourselves in uh, can almost be considered progressive for an eighties movie. It's it's really strange because it's like by today's standards this is terribly racist because of the yellow face, because of 
the stereotypical presentation because he's the magical Asian character that knows martial arts and therefore can walk on water and do all this other weird shit. And he forces people to live off of rice because he thinks that if you eat a hamburger, you can't do martial arts. All that stuff, right? That's all objectively racist. But at the time, they didn't think of that as racist. And at the time, all the all the actual racial jokes that people wrote in here that are about racism are at the expense of the white guy. Well, it's all the white, him mocking the white, white guy culture. and a weird. There's also the weird undertone of Korean supremacism, which yeah. is not 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 a topic I think I've ever heard broached before. No, I mean it's the but idea where he's like, "Are you Chinese?" and he's like, "I'm not fucking Chinese. I am the most perfect creature, the Korean." Yes, but the <laughs> idea that that's that's the character. He's just so arrogant and. It's like anybody, the, fir- the more different you are from me, the worse you are in on every imaginable way. So if you eat differently than me, if you're from a different country or you're of a different race or whatever, it's all just, it's just that same thing over and over again. Where the further you are from being him, from being Chun, then the further you are from being perfect. And I think that's what I liked about him. I liked that arrogance. I thought it was funny. But right. then again. Once again, I'm with you. I love the tune, but just, man, it, it's so problematic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cringe. Cringe would be a good word for parts of this movie. Uh, yeah. There is also the whole thing about uh, so Captain Janeway's character is is supposed to be an accomplished military person, mm-hmm. and full on only serves as damsel in distress. Yeah, yeah. And Again, it was the eighties. I was going to say, mm-hmm. and the one time in the movie where she voices her opinion that uh, she can help and that she should be allowed to do something, uh, Chun forcibly makes her orgasm by tapping on her wrist. I don't think that's what happened, but <laughs> that's that's one hundred percent what exactly happened. What happened? Yeah. Uh, I thought he froze her the same way he froze. Uh, no. Because he was explaining to him earlier in the movie about bringing a woman to sexual ecstasy, that you grab her with your left hand and tap with the rhythm of her heartbeat. That's yeah. what he does. Yeah. yeah. That's true. Which, once yeah, again, she's... problematic. I get, I get that in the 80s, that was a joke. It, in modern stuff, it's like, that is, that is the weirdest consent issue i've ever seen in a movie i have no idea how to address that consent issue because i'm like (laughs) technically like she doesn't pull her wrist away or anything it's not like she's arguing with him and whoa whoa there victim blamer (laughs) no but no but (laughs) let me finish let me finish you don't normally think of touching someone's wrist as uh, you don't generally feel like you have to ask for consent to touch someone's wrist i wouldn't their wrist i don't think i, I mean, don't know anytime you touch another person i don't know if you could use okay if you could use a person's wrist to make them come in their pants probably <laughs> that's weird that's a tough one <laughs> i don't know that <laughs> right right it's weird i because i thought about it like the second that happened i was like i you could write a fucking essay about that moment <laughs> of this movie it's like in the and how complicated that is in in today's uh 
thoughts about that kind of thing. And then the worst thing is, then he cracks a joke about Lesson 36 being blessed silence after she, like, comes and passes out, basically. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or, I mean... Which is basically the... him going, shut up, woman. You're a woman. Yeah. You shouldn't be making sounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's definitely sexist. He's all... Like, he's racist. He's sexist. All that's true. But if, it's, I'm almost, like, less bothered by his racism and sexism, because I feel like they wrote that in, than I am by the fact that he's played by a white guy, which is just them not understanding what racism is. It's weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can we talk about the part where Remo Williams just hangs off of a tree that's being dragged by a wire while everyone's shooting at him? <laughs> I don't know okay. if there's so anything problematic about that. I feel like I missed something in the movie. Maybe I blinked or looked away. Why? Why is the log attached to the wire? Oh, shit. I was hoping you guys were going to explain that to me. <laughs> Brian, you're the guy that does the research. Why were they, like, is that a logging technique that I'm unfamiliar with where you pick each log up one at a time by a giant wire and carry it across a giant uh, area? Um, well, spoiler alert, I did not really enjoy this movie. That's not so, what I asked you. I don't know if you did so, the research into the logging techniques. I was on my phone for a lot of it, and... Uh, okay. I do remember that scene, but I don't remember anything leading up to it. And so it thus did not intrigue me enough to figure out what the fuck they were doing. It was It's super weird. There's just like a log being dragged through the air on a giant wire. Like, I think that's what we're meant to believe is that, it, they, that it's been cut down for logging purposes and it's being carried to somewhere to be loaded on a ship or whatever. But I don't okay. think that's how they do it. I don't either. But... Anywhere else except in this movie. It's it seems very ineffectual if that's what they're doing. I mean, I've seen something similar on American Ninja Warrior, but you know nobody's shooting at him, so. Oh. Well, I guess Fred Ward's never been on American Ninja Warriors. So that's why he should be. Maybe not now. I don't know how old the guy is now. But... <laughs> and he survived graboids. Surely he can. Uh, he can survive uh, American Ninja Warrior. Yeah. But then again him just hanging off that like tree that's being carried through the air while they're shooting at him pretty badass i like that <laughs> i agree what about when he was up on the uh the, for whatever reason they just i think and i think i literally read the trivia that they were repairing the uh statue of liberty so there was all this mm -hmm. scaffolding around it and these guys are like that's badass let's write a scene that goes on up there <laughs> that's what i read too and so they're just like, if we can get permits to film up there, then we're we're doing it. So they just they have them go up there, and then like somebody just hires construction workers to kill them because just your typical like New York construction workers that are like on break, they're you're like want a few bucks to kill that guy. And like, yeah, whatever. Lunch isn't over yet. Might as well kill a guy before we go back to work. <laughs> so they're just down for it, and then he just murders them, and then walks away, and then that's just over. And then that's part of his training. <laughs> and none of it really makes any sense. And it's, nope. It's the most obvious example I've, I think I've ever seen of somebody just like looking at a set piece and go, we got to figure out a way to put that in the movie. How are we going to get that in the movie? Just, we'll just, the characters just decide to go there one day. All right, just script that. Apparently it was so important that they filmed it, the real one, and then also built a replica from the book up to film yeah. it at, in Mexico City. Yeah, I mean, it seems like a lot to go through for that. 
whatever that scene is. I mean, it's not poor. It's relatively well done. You've got them swinging around on the wires, and they look like they're way up high in the air and everything. And they do it well. I just don't understand why the scene happens. So, I guess just because it's fun to watch, and that's all there is to it. <laughs> because they wanted it to. That's why. <laughs> uh, did you guys like the weird cavalcade of cameos that happens in this movie that probably weren't cameos at the time? Another connection to Die Hard? <laughs> right, right. Reginald Bell Johnson. John <laughs> Polito pops up for a second. Fucking William Hickey's in this movie for like three seconds. <laughs> those are big roles for those guys at the time. Well, maybe not William Hickey. William Hickey, maybe <laughs> maybe he was a cameo, but the rest of them. Uh, oh. And we've got, did we mention that fucking Patrick Kilpatrick's fucking one of the sub bad guys in this movie for some reason instead of the main bad guy? Yeah. It's a good enough reason. I'm just saying, he's a he's such a fantastic bad guy. And they were like, we'll just make him Diamond Tooth guy. Although <laughs> yeah, well, that scene was kind of fun. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's fucking fantastic. Where where he breaks the glass. Mean, <laughs> yeah. Does, does he break the glass, though? Or does the glass break a couple seconds before he hits it? <laughs> well, I mean, he does have... <laughs> Chun's magical kung fu skills by this point, where he can dodge bullets. The dodging bullets is so poorly done in this movie. They just kind of move slightly their head and stuff, and they dodge a bullet. They're not even, they don't do anything to create the appearance that they're moving fast. It's kind of frustrating a little bit. <laughs> we should, uh, we should go back. We forgot to mention. You mentioned Bill Duke was in uh, Action Jackson. Yeah. And we forgot to mention the Sunny Lanthems also in Action Jackson. So that completes the uh, Predator trifecta. Yeah, nice. Yeah, he was the crazy guy trying to shoot up Vanity. Continue on. Oh yeah, that's right. Who was the guy? I thought he was from. Okay, never mind. The, the, there was like a big guy that he had to fight at one point, but he's just a guy from Commando. So that's I'm not going to know his name anyway. Um, mm. I don't know. Weird, weird factoid though. There was Friday Thirteenth Part Five guy was in. Um, Action Jackson, and I'm just looking at the cast list for <laughs> Remo Williams now. If you go down far enough, the wheelchair guy from Friday 2 is uh, one of the actors in the soap opera that Jen's always watching. So <laughs> nice. There's always a connection back to Friday the 13th. <laughs> nice. I don't know. I'm sad that you didn't like it, Brian. I get why somebody wouldn't. Oh, yeah. yeah it's perfectly reasonable. Um, this isn't one of those ones where everyone needs to get mad at each other. It's like I had fun with this because I laughed at the humor in it. And then the fact that the action was more comical than, than good action. I just went with that. I just kind of enjoyed it, but I can see why you would get bored if you're not buying into the humor and you're not enjoying the interactions between the characters. Yeah. And I literally watched actually Jackson in this back to back. So maybe if I'm in a different mood, I can, reevaluate at some point maybe yeah. I, don't, I don't know i just had a lot of fun with this one i thought it was it's funny uh although some of the jokes are problematic but it's once again i'm just tuned such a fucking entertaining character i just don't know i don't know how to deal with that with him being the problematic like, character he is but it's... also being delightful when you when you watch stuff from other eras you had sometimes you just have to put away your modern sensibilities and just say like look this 
it's not right, but it's it was socially acceptable at the time to do this, and therefore, it, if you're gonna watch the movie, you're just gonna have to learn to live with it. Right, and like I said before, I basically see this movie as this is a, uh, it, it's a kung fu movie for white people. I mean, it's... well, yeah, <laughs> and obviously, what their intention was was to create a kung fu like series where. Fred Ward's character would either on a TV show or in movies just travel town to town and get into adventures, right? Right. That was what the goal was. I don't know what their, the exact plan was for movies or TV, but they, um, they're pretty... I mean, the title of the movie is Rumi Williams, The Adventure Begins. They obviously intended for more. And I think this works kind of as that setup because then you... He's now you've explained away all of his weird skills that he would be using in every episode of your show. Must must be. I don't know. I really, I also had a ton of fun with the uh, training montage. Although I feel like they did, they did a pretty good job of paying off most of the stuff, which is usually a thing you got to do with these, these Kung Fu movies. The one weird thing that I don't feel like they ever paid off was the fingerboard that he was practicing. He he oh, no. never he never it's... finger jabbed somebody. Uh, you're a liar. When does he, he finger jab somebody? The the dude with the, the uh, diamond tooth. He finger jabs right through the dude's gas mask. Oh yeah yeah he does. You're right. I'm wrong. He uses it all. So it all pays <laughs> off. I'm trying to remember when this, they paid this off. This movie his... goes from a seven point five to an eight. When did they pay off him being able to climb in the dark and use his memory to do things? Well, I, that's one of my favorite moments in this whole movie is when he's like showing off his skills and he does his little like obstacle course all the way up to the top and he's like ah i finally did it with no problems and chin's like okay now come down he's like, down's easy i've been able to do down for a while and then chin just turns off the lights and you just hear the banging and crashing <laughs> uh i don't know if the in the dark bit gets paid off but the balancing act gets paid off whenever he has to uh fight all of the construction workers on the scaffolding. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Balancing is, he uses multiple times. I guess technically he's using his balancing skills to hang on to that log that's flying through the air for some reason as well. In which, once again, that stuff, man, that's great. That's a good, that him versus the construction workers up on the scaffolding is such a great action piece. The yeah. only problem I have with it is, why are those construction workers so good at fighting? Like... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's an issue. Especially using their random tools that they're clearly practiced with as weapons. Yeah. <laughs> I think this happens like at least twice a week. It's just constantly. Like, hey, constantly Billy! Billy! There's another guy here. up here. Let's murder him. Billy, this guy wants to pay us to kill this guy. Get over here. <sighs> I mean, that actually makes the movie make a lot more sense. So I say we go with it. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Everybody watched this week. I watched a couple things. 
Uh, First, after watching Remo Williams, I was like, you know what? I need some more training montage kung fu in my life. I thought you were going to say watch the the Remo TV movie. No, no, absolutely not. Uh, So so I watched Return to 36 Chamber of Shaolin, uh, which is the story of a con artist who is hired by local dye workers to impersonate a kung fu monk in order to uh, scare their boss into returning their wages. Of course, it has a lot to do with like the Manchu moving in and oppressing people and stealing their money because it's, it's a Kung Fu movie and they all are about the Manchu moving in and, and stealing things from the Han Chinese. That's, that's just what they're all about. <laughs> uh, so it works at first and then it fails. And then he decides he's going to, actually go to the Shaolin temple and learn Kung Fu and, and come back and help his people. So he goes off to the temple kind of breaks in through a bunch of shenanigans. Uh, They refuse to train him, but instead force him to build scaffolding around the building while he watches them train. And, you know, he's kind of mock doing the things that they're doing with his roofing materials and such. Uh, after a year, the monks tell him he has to leave, and he thinks that they've ripped him off. Of course, he goes back and discovers that uh, Karate Kid style, he has learned an entirely new form of Kung Fu through <laughs> the roofing scaffolding practice he's been doing. <laughs> and uh, proceeds to go whoop some ass, because that's the way these movies work. All it's right. delightful. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it before, but it's great. Eh, for some reason, the kung fu thing never worked for me, so I've never really gotten into it. Yeah, yeah me I, too. Man, I fucking I love me a kung fu movie, especially Shaw Brothers kung fu. I'll watch like uh, scenes from a kung fu movie, like if you're flipping through TV and there's one on kind of thing. But then to sit down and intentionally watch a kung fu movie, I've never really had that desire. I did, the the thing that always blows my mind is so so. What year was? this movie made return to 36 chamber so it was made in 1980 and i don't the the fight coordination in these films and, and some of the older films is on par with what they can do today it just is i it, it always blows my mind that you watch these dudes doing these really complex multiple movement set pieces you know there's there's probably more cuts than they do now but it's still it's it's something amazing to watch them do and you're like holy fucking shit and it's all practical so you're like so that motherfucker just really did that yeah and certainly it's heavily influential on what we see today that's why you say it's it's as good as they learned from them right 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 I don't know. It's just it's just awesome to watch this. And once again, so this movie is is the same as Thirty Six Chamber, which is set set up issue. Entire movie is training, and then he comes back and whips a bunch of dudes' asses. <laughs> like that's pretty much the way it always is. I was a big fan of uh, Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just never uh, never got past that. But. Master of the Flying Guillotine. Have you ever seen that one? Nope. Oh. Might have to change that. Master of the Flying Guillotine might have to go on the list. Because yeah. it's uh, 
I don't know. There's there's a fight scene at the end that most people once they see it they're like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> like <laughs> cuz it's 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 so fucking unexpected. You're like, "I cannot believe how unexpected the things that happen in this fight are." And there is a super racist character in that film that is credited as the dirty tie. Okay. <laughs> pretty fucked up. Uh, so besides that, uh, I didn't really watch any more. Well, I take that back. We watched Elf, uh, okay. in which, guess what? Elf's fucking delightful. I really like Elf. <laughs> I have to say. Did you, have really... you watched? Have you watched the uh, the holiday movies that made us on Netflix yet? I did. Uh, yeah. I'm a little irritated that it was only fucking, it was like two episodes. Yeah. I don't know. It was a little weird. I was like, I, cause I was expecting to see like a bunch of these Christmas movies. And instead it's like elf and a nightmare before Christmas. The end. Yeah. I'm wondering if COVID got, got it shut down to that many. Maybe it was I, I, the, the thing that blew my mind about elf is I don't, I don't think I ever realized how amateur the uh, the crew working on it was. Mm-hmm. That that just kind of blew my mind because it's such a polished movie. At the end of the day, you know what I mean. I, I I always just figured it was a big studio thing. I don't know. Yeah. Nope. Just a new line. Given given them what was it thirty million to make the movie. Well, it was supposed to be 18 or something like that. And I think they got it bumped up. I thought that or, was... No, uh, that, that might was, be. That may be another one. Yeah. It was Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. It's also it's also funny that that is the launch point for uh, John Favre, the director. Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of where he went from little indie guy to giant, you know, now he runs the world kind of thing. Yeah. He came, he came in hot. Now, yeah. that dude, now that dude got money. Yeah, I don't know if he gets enough credit. I feel like he he deserves more credit for stuff. After it's super uh, weird, like because uh, he he's had so much influence on the MCU, and everyone talks about like you know your Joss Whedon's and your Russo brothers, and it's like well, what about the guy that started it? Like don't you, want, don't you remember that guy? Like <laughs> he kind of set the tone, and nobody yeah. else was doing it quite like that before that. Yeah, and then he, he did that. I was going to say, and with the Mandalorian virtual sets thing, he's he's turning like filmmaking on its fucking head. I think, I think that that technology is getting ready to be used for everything. Yeah. I'm surprised it hasn't been used more. It's it's fascinating. I, I've been like watching videos of them using it. It's just, it's so fucking weird. Just the idea that that technology works <laughs> to me is because they basically went back. So we developed, we developed, we moved forward, you know, back in the day, it was like painted sets. And then they figured out how to like overlay film to make a background image. And then beyond that, we went to green screen and all that. And now they're like, well, now we're going to go back to the motion sets, <laughs> you know, like we're going back to that technology, just huge and a thousand times better. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool as fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then besides that, all I've been watching is, uh, 
I just I have the WWE network and I figured while I've got it I might as well use it. So I am going back and rewatching every episode of ECW from the founding. <laughs> that's that's a, quite the undertaking. It is quite the undertaking, especially since it literally spans two different shows. <laughs> that's how long it went. I love that last week you were like upset about things McFoley did in WWE, and now you're like, but I'll watch all of ECW. <laughs> <laughs> well. Here's here's the thing. I might have to skip some of those pay per views because I don't I don't know if I can watch people hurt themselves that bad. Pretty intense stuff. Yeah, but so it, it goes all the way back beyond Extreme Championship Wrestling to whenever they were uh, Eastern Championship Wrestling and they filmed in like a gym, mm-hmm. and yeah. that just fucking blows it. So that's where I am right now. I'm still in the first year because. Uh, there's an episode every week of the year. <laughs> like it's, it's going to take a while, but the talent on the roster is pretty good. I mean, you've got fucking Terry Funk was there right at the beginning. Uh, mostly as a color commentator, but of course he instantly gets into a rivalry with somebody so they can put him in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, Superfly Jimmy Snuka was working for him. And uh, was he legit murdering people. <laughs> no, but I was going to say, luckily they had, uh, he has like a manager to talk for him yeah. because I, I didn't post head injury, Jimmy Snuka. Uh, the dude could still wrestle like a badass, but fuck man, he could not work the mic anymore. He's just too slow. You could, you could tell he was, uh, a little addled. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but they still let Ultimate Warrior do promos. And if you listen to those promos, you literally could just say whatever you want. And yeah, but re- yeah, but he was that was, his whole shtick was rambling nonsense. <laughs> so like, how can you fuck that up? How can you fuck up just shouting rambling nonsense and then snorting? <laughs> well, after uh, you after you stop wrestling, you fuck it up by being incredibly homophobic. No, well, that's true. I was going to say, of all of the things, so uh, they introduced uh, in the last episode I watched uh, Paul Heyman, but as Paulie Dangerously or whatever yeah. he was fucking called back in the day. That was, his, that was his WCW name. Right, right. And and so that was interesting. And the Sandman is the champion right at the beginning from, from whenever they, you know, pre televised stuff. And I totally fucking forgot that the Sandman's original gimmick was the beach thing. Do you guys remember that at all? Oh no, I don't even think I knew that. Oh my God. Where he wore like the, the short sleeve, uh, short, uh, uh, pant legged, uh, like swimsuit. Like a like a surfer zip up suit, and he would oh, carry yeah. a surfboard to the ring and wear. Is, is that where sunglasses. the name Sandman comes from? Because he would hang yes. out at the beach. Yes. That's <laughs> Holy where shit! I had no idea. <laughs> Me neither. And at first, whenever they were like the Sandman's coming out, and I was like, oh, I was like, really? I was like, man, that's crazy. So this is the Sandman before like he kind of started hitting it, and they were like, and he's already the champion. I was like. That's super weird. And then he comes out in the surfer gear, and I was like, oh, okay, it's a different Sandman. This can't be right. It's, it's a different guy. 
who just happens to have that name. And then I looked it up and I was like, no, it's him. <laughs> and he looks healthy. Really, oh, wow. really healthy. Which is crazy. because it does sound you, weird. <laughs> yeah. Because if you say Sandman, the first thing everybody thinks of is the dude who looks like he uses some kind of weird cocktail of roids and meth to stay in the physical condition he's in, where somehow his body is bulky and his face is completely sunken in. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that, that blew my fucking mind. I was like, wow. It's like a time machine. <laughs> Oh, wow. I just found a picture of him. Right. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. I I had no idea. I was like, oh, my God. So his original gimmick was a beach bum. I I always just figured it was like, uh, I'm going to kill you, Sandman, kind of. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And and the, the suit he's wearing, it's like bright orange and green, and he's wearing like a, a neon green neck gaiter. Like Yeah, I just dumped some into the chat chat room. That's super weird. I had no idea. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, fu- it fucked me all up. I was like, what in the hell is happening right now? That's so weird. Oh, you have to tell me later when when they get to the more hardcore era. If they use uh, Metallica's song for his intro music, because part of me I, thinks they edited that off the shows, probably. I that's a good question. We'll we'll see because um, I, if I remember right, the big switch, the switch where it goes from Eastern Championship Wrestling to Paul Heyman's ECWs in '95, probably. Whenever it was that Shane Douglas threw the title down and redubbed it. Extreme Championship Wrestling. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's just it's just fascinating to watch the. It, I I'll honestly say the the announcing quality and the match qualities are uh, exactly where you'd think they would be for a nineteen ninety three regional wrestling show. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is sad, especially considering once again the talent they've got like three or four guys that it's like, okay, well they got real fucking wrestlers on this show. <laughs> it's just weird that they have like, I, I, I don't know these dudes that you instantly recognize wrestling some guy named like John hot body. <laughs> you know, <It's> like, <laughs> like who the fuck is, why is this happening? Nice. It makes me a little sad knowing that even in 1993, Terry Funk looked old. Terry he Funk's looks old. always been old. He looks just, old and over the top. So that's what I'm saying. And and he just kept wrestling. Oh, oh, it's awful to think about. He should have retired. It was so bad. He was so old by the time he finally stopped. Has he stopped technically? I don't know if he has. Oh, I think I think if you gave him a hundred dollars, he'd get right back in a ring. <laughs> it's just it's in. Uh, yeah, on the mat, that was one of my favorite moments when he's like, they're trying to convince him to quit wrestling and go have surgery, and he's like, well, be honest with me. Can I live my life comfortably if I just don't have this surgery? And they're like, you're not living your life comfortably now. You've just been <laughs> well, in pain doc- so long, you don't realize what normal is. I do I do like the, the doctor says, I, I cannot explain how you are walking right now. You should be in crippling pain. 
<laughs> and I almost wanted him just to respond with, because uh, I'm Terry fucking Funk. <laughs> and and then kick the guy through a plate glass window or something. <laughs> Suddenly, out of nowhere, piles of chairs just start flying into the room and burying them. <laughs> yeah, but that's but that's all I watched. So I I will keep you guys posted on my ECW rewatch because <laughs> I I just I I feel like I've broken into something that I was unaware that I was going to break into, and now I I get to watch the transformation of <laughs> of, of Sandman into Sandman. That's that part is blowing my mind. Honestly, I'm really surprised to learn this. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's, it's it's really fucked up. It's almost as weird of Have you ever seen any of the matches of Rob Van Dam when Rob Van Dam was like uh, really young, Mm-mm. like whenever he would go by like Ronnie V and stuff? Nope. It's it's crazy. He was still super athletic and stuff. Obviously, he wasn't as polished, but. Yeah, it's weird. He had a giant mullet, and I don't know. Yeah, it's just weird. It's just just Jean Claude Van Damme's face on this weird mulleted (laughs) squat body wrestler. He still uh, wrestles, and he looks very old. He should stop. He he is very old. I know. He just looks bad. He's gonna do a five star frog splash and shatter every rib in his body. The thing that blows my mind is when those guys get old and they still are doing those like jump moves where they're taking the big bumps, and I'm like, you got to find a, not, a way to not do that as you get older. Transition your game or whatever you call it. Right. At least some of them did. Chris Chris Jericho was good about that. He's kind of modified his wrestling style over the years to match his physical limitations so that he still puts on a good show but doesn't destroy himself. I don't know. What'd you watch, Doug? Well, I didn't watch any wrestling at all this week, believe it or not. Um, but I watched some movies. Do you guys want to hear about that? Or... Sure. Yeah. First one I watched was called uh, Midnight Ride. It's from 1990. You guys remember this one, right? Everybody remembers the canon movie Midnight Ride from 1990. <laughs> sure do. <laughs> so, uh, wife is leaving her husband, who's a cop. She's, uh, he's basically chasing her, saying, you know, trying to get her to not leave. As he's chasing her, so he's like in a cop car, literally following her. She's running away. She picks up a hitchhiker. Hitchhiker turns out to be a psychopath killer. The rest of the movie is basically a cat and mouse game going back and forth. Now, it sounds pretty standard, but what if I told you that that cop was played by Michael Dudikoff? <laughs> now, what if I told you that that psychopathic killer was played by mr mark hamill oh i've seen that it's (laughs) you did see it yeah (laughs) honestly it's like a weird thing where it's like i this movie is so elevated by the existence of these two guys and then because it's a canon movie every now and again a car blows up for no good reason but it's like you've literally got mark hamill really putting on an acting display because he's Mark Hamill, 1990, he's kind of like still looks like a little kid and he's kind of doing like the sweet innocent routine. And then when he shifts into like, I'm a psychopath now, you really see shades of the Joker coming through. And it's like, oh, I really like that. That makes me very happy to watch that. 
so I had a blast watching this movie. It's the, the, the whole movie is them like going down the highway and going back and forth and one thing or another happens. And, you know, at one point the psychopath ends up in the car with the cop who's chasing the wife. And they, then later he ends up letting the wife go, but then he steals a bus just so he can chase her back down. <laughs> so now you've got Mark Hamill driving a bus with the bus driver's dead body in the shitter. And the wife is like sitting alone in the bus. There's nobody, no other passengers, and the cops are chasing them. Super fun. I, I liked it anyway. Um, just there's at one point, so they're at like this hotel, and the clerk is being quite rude to them. So then the girl goes off to make a phone call, and you just see Mark Hamill. He's like, I'm just going to go in here for a minute. And when he comes back out, it's like literally like one of those scenes where like the door is swinging and you can just see as it swings, you can just see, oh, there's a dead body in there now. And then later Mark Hamill's just got her eyeball and he's like, he's got these like arts and crafts supplies with him and he's making something and he's putting the eyeball on the end of a stick so he can like poke it at people. And now he's just sucking on the thing for a little while. Oh. It's like, oh, for God's sakes. So I had a lot of fun. The whole the whole road trip, they're basically they're on their way to see because the Mark Hamill character is so nuts that he thinks that the girl is the one who's nuts because she doesn't like him. <laughs> so he's trying to get her to his doctor so his doctor can fix her up. Meanwhile, he's like killing people whenever they have to stop and stuff. Um, yeah, I, I I have to say I enjoyed that movie. It was pretty fun. It's not. I mean, it won't be for everyone because it is a '90s movie, so the kills all happen off-screen, which I thought was a bit of a problem. It does end in a very long fight, very long drawn-out fight between Dudikoff and Hamill, and it's like, I think in the real world, I know which one of these guys would win this fight. <laughs> the answer, Mark. Mark Hamill, Hamill of course, because he has real Jedi powers, and Michael Dudikoff just has real ninja powers. We all know, so. See, I would actually think that Mark Hamill would just, like, say something so charming that Dudikoff would let down his guard and then Hamill would just stab him. <laughs> That's how I would picture it going. And that sums up Mark Hamill's performance in this movie actually quite well. <laughs> he's just, he's so damn charming. And then he just kills some people from time to time. So it was a real fun one. Um, I'm trying to remember where I watched it. It must have been Tubi. It's the only one that makes any sense. <laughs> um, and it was it was like ripped from an old uh, DVD, but from before they made DVDs anamorphic, so it had it, it was in widescreen, but it had the black bars on the sides and on the top and bottom because it was shrunk down to fit in a four three TV, which is always very very problematic for me to watch those movies. But I made an exception for this one. Probably a good choice. Yeah. Um, then after that, we're into December. It's Christmas movie time. So I watched Fat Man, which is the Mel Gibson plays an evil Santa movie. Um, you guys have seen the trailers for this one, I take it? No. No? Oh, it's it's a new one. Um, yeah. I kind of avoid Mel Gibson anymore. Yeah, I was getting ready to say Mel Gibson's presence is problematic. Well, okay, but he has a big white beard, which makes him Santa. Um, and sure. whatever. I, I, you know my opinion, 
position is you look beyond the actor and into the sure. performance. Sure. So, I'm not I'm not I'm not shaming you for watching it. I'm just saying is, me personally, I've just kind of ignored it. Put it this way, he's a grumpy old Santa. It, the the world exists in a way where Santa is real and that's like pretty widely accepted. Like Santa drives into town and checks his mail and Santa like goes stops for a drink at the bar and uses his Santa powers to identify people on the who are naughty and calls him out for it while they're sitting at the bar. Like there's a guy hitting on the bartender and he like calls the guy out because the guy's married and stuff. And he like knows all about the guy's life because he's Santa, right? Um, and then Santa's having uh, financial difficulties because apparently he's funded by the US government. So they are cutting his funding unless he agrees to take on military contracts and get the elves to build like um, motherboards for uh, some type of weaponry. So that's the world we're living this in. Feels, this feels actually depressingly too real. A little <laughs> bit. So now fast forward to this is one shitty kid that, we've, that we're introduced to. And Santa's like, fuck, this kid's an asshole. Leaves him coal in his stocking. So now the kid hires a hitman to take out Santa for leaving him coal. And that's where the crux of our movie starts. So that's where the rest of the movie is, is we're following Santa, but we're also following this hitman on his mission to track down Santa and kill him. And it eventually leads to a very, very violent finale between the two. Uh, I don't know if you can see the smile on my face over the internet or not, but <laughs> <laughs> Santa and a hitman shooting at each other is pretty much my kind of cup of tea. The movie takes it all like it's all very, very ridiculous, but there's like no jokes in the movie. They're all pretending this is very, very serious. <laughs> so it's it's I always the I always point back to like the original child's play as like the example of something that uh, just, just nobody bothers to treat this like it's ridiculous, even though we all know it is. So <laughs> and that kind of thing usually works for me. So I I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um it's kinda you have to see it to believe it, where it's just like Santa really firing guns at a hitman. He's like, he's full on in like the winter, like uh, James Bond gear. So he can cross country ski into Santa's militarized camp. Cause now there's like also like, like guards checking the gates and shit. Cause now that the military's in there having the elves build them fucking machinery. Nice. So I had a lot of fun with it. I'd recommend it. I mean, know what you're going into. Um, be prepared for the fact that Mel Gibson's in the movie, and that's upsetting to some people. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It was fun. Nice. Uh, what else did I watch? Did I watch anything else this week? I don't know. Not much else. Um, I watched season three of Big Mouth. That showed up on Netflix. And it's more of the same. It keeps getting a little raunchier and raunchier, which is... I think we discussed this last year when season two came out. And it was like, it gets to be a little problematic when these little cartoon kids are doing these weirdly sexual things. And you're like, I don't know. I don't know what the rules are when they're cartoon children. <laughs> uh, certainly wouldn't want to be watching this if they were real kids. But I think for me, when I watch it, I because I recognize so many of the voices that I'm picturing the actors rather than thinking about them as the children. So I end up just thinking it's funny but it's it really is just more of the same if you liked previous seasons you'll like this oh wow i gave it a couple episodes i just could not get into it yeah i mean 
comedy is so subjective that it's like it's really hard to kind of like tell people whether they should like something or not and that particular type of comedy is just like we're just going to say something ridiculous and offensive and hopefully that's going to get everyone's attention but it's like yeah so like for me personally I use it as like background stuff while I'm doing other things and I find it enjoyable enough for that but I don't really care about it and I couldn't really tell you what any of the jokes were I don't remember them I just know that I watched it so. you watched the first two seasons didn't you Noah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to watch season three yet. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like, say, more of the same. Little rot, little, it, it keeps pushing the envelope further and further. And at some point, I think they will cross a line where I just don't want to watch that. I was, I was going to say, it's problematic. My, the, the thing that fucks me up with that show, though, is although I admit that that stuff is pushing some envelopes that I don't know if I want to see them pushed. It's it's made by a bunch of people who I just find funny as fuck. Yeah. And it seems to be like the perfect storm of people to make me laugh at a joke. Yeah. And I think I think that's it's going to come down to that a lot. Like like I the one guy I point to is uh, Jason Manzukis is in it and he's like he's the same in everything he's ever done. That's just what he does. And you're like you either like that or you don't. I find it funny. So I watch the stuff he's in, but I don't know. Same thing with like a, you know, a John Mulaney. He's just doing what he does. He's essentially doing a raunchier version of Spider-Ham. Do you like that or don't you? It's, it's, it's hard to say. Good times. Uh, The only other thing I watched was the 2007 remake of 310 to Yuma. Cause we usually bring up Westerns on this show, right? As much as sometimes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was really just sitting here desperately trying to find something to watch. And for some reason I picked that and I was like, ah, maybe I won't even watch all of it. And then it turns out it's directed by James Mangold, which got me thinking like, I know he's a good director and I know he's a fan of Westerns, so he would do a good job. Um, it's, it's really quite good. It's a bit ridiculous in the sense of like, it's a cowboy movie. So, Whenever your hero characters fire a gun that automatically kills a guy, but then several of your, you know, your your other characters can get shot and live for a while or take two, three bullets before they die, just because, you know, that guy has a name, so he's gonna obviously be a lot harder to kill. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. But it's um so Christian Bale plays like a civil war veteran who's missing a leg and he's really having a lot of down on his luck. So just, <laughs> did, did did Christian Bale go method and actually amputate his leg for the It's moment? hard to say. It's hard to say. Because you know he'd grow a third one if it needed to. <laughs> so you never know with him. Um, but yeah, he's having a lot of trouble on his his like ranch because the people who I think they're trying to get his land for the railroad or something like that. So they're essentially cutting off the water supply to his land so that he can. Uh, that he'll have no choice but to sell off kind of thing. And they're just, they're, they're in cahoots with the guy who's controls the. Hello? Yeah. Oh, no. Sorry. I, I think I dropped out for a second. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So anyway, he takes a job as a, just basically escorting this criminal played by Russell Crowe to a 
train to put him on the prison train, which is the 310 to Yuma from the title. And the whole thing is kind of this cat and mouse game where these two guys are these what well, starts out as a larger group and it kind of whittles down to being just these two guys by the end but they're basically traveling together and you know sometimes they have to work together because they're in uh, sort of wild Indian territory and other times they have to you know one of them's trying to escape and different things keep happening like that meanwhile the gang that runs that uh works for Russell Crowe's character is now chasing them down to get him back. And that's run by the guy that runs the gang in Russell Crowe's absence is played by Ben Foster. So the acting is superb in this movie. Like it's very, very well done. And it's it's really more about the characters and the journey they go on than it is about, you know, the, the typical cowboy shooting at each other type stuff. You get kind of this defiant ones type relationship where it's like these two guys that started off as captor and captee sort of end up developing respect for each other and working together on a lot of different things. And it gets a little cornball at the end, but overall, uh, I was pretty impressed with it. I think, like it's, I think, it just turns out James Mangold is a really good director and is really good at doing that sort of thing. So it's, it's a recommend if you have any interest in westerns whatsoever, but way outside the boundaries of what we're supposed to be talking about on this podcast. Well, I've always heard it was good. I've just never watched it. Never saw the original either. No, I've never seen the original. I think I wanted to see this when it was new because of the actors in it. Because um, I went through a phase where I really, really liked Christian Bale because of him being a great actor. And then for some reason, I just never got around to it. I can't explain why I watched it now. I don't have a good reason for that, other than I've just seen so much that I was running out of things. So that's that's it for me. What do you got, Brian? Um, well, I only watched one movie. Uh, Caught Freaky. Oh, yeah. Um, it's pretty good. I don't know if it's as good as I had hoped it was going to be, but... It feels like one of those ones where it's like they could never live up to the idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, Vince Vaughn is everything you want him to be playing you know this giant old man playing like a teenage girl stuck in the wrong body i mean that stuff's pretty fantastic um all the stuff with the killer and her body is just sort of like eh it's all right i guess but definitely watch it for vince vaughn and his performance okay yeah i i want to see that one i'll get to it probably when i don't pay for it yeah yeah, I ran it there for twenty bucks. It was a rough rental, but Amanda really wanted to watch it. So yeah, I don't know. I'd uh, I think I'd be more likely to rent some for twenty bucks if I was watching it with somebody else. At least watch most of my movies yeah. alone in my basement. It's like twenty dollars <laughs> to watch this by myself. <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah, we figured if I'm... we if we ever ventured out and saw it in the theater, it would cost us about that much. So yeah, I'm I'm still trying to figure out. So this trend of taking a movie that is not a horror movie and then remaking it as a horror movie. Sure. Is same, it dir- cl- same director, by the way, is, is happy death day. I mean, is it clever or is it lazy and fucking stupid? Well, it's both. Cause I can, <laughs> I feel like I can go either way. I think I it's think done it, pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you enjoy it, then it's clever, and if you don't, then it's lazy. And that's just a... I think it's just going to always be that. 
Trust this, me. Not- this one, I might also be more inclined to see it if it wasn't uh, the words remake and Vince Vaughn tied together. Because uh, Why has that been a problem for you in the past? <laughs> well, there's one very specific example. It's not really a remake, though. I mean, but it is. Yeah. Not really. Not really, but but it is. I mean, nah. it's if if you don't count the entire premise, then it's not a remake. <laughs> yeah, but that's also saying that uh, that Kirk Cameron movie, like Father Like Son, was a remake. Vice versa with Fred Savage was a remake. Yeah, yeah. It's just a similar setup. Yeah, but I think they all are remakes. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, maybe the term remake isn't quite the right word to use because of different reasons, but it, it, they're effectively remakes. It's right. The one, like they've done it a bunch of times. It's oh, it's prob it's probably one of the most remade things ever. I mean, the sure. body, the, those body swap movies, you could probably dig pretty deep. Well. We'll find out when we do Body Swap Month. Oh, God. I don't think there's that many good ones. <laughs> Who says they have to be good ones? Also true. Um, so I thought it was fun. Just, you know, whatever. Um, and the only other thing I watched, we decided to watch the documentary series, uh, The Last Dance. The... Uh, Michael Jordan documentary, which seems like a weird choice, but when I was actively trying to enjoy sports in my younger days, this is about when I was watching basketball. Um, and this sort of deals with the uh, the Bulls team while they won like those six championships in like eight years. Um, and for somebody like I'm obviously not super into sports but even if you're not into sports it's very watchable it's very cinematic and even has a familiar plot line in it even though it's a documentary which is crazy um so basically the last year of the la- their last championship on the bulls the front office before the season starts tells them yeah, we're gonna we're probably gonna dismantle this team next season. So this is pretty much everybody's last season. And so everybody's kind of pissed off. And Jordan's like, "Well, fuck it. We'll just win another championship then and make them feel like shit when they have to break everything up." So the entire the entire thrust of it is them trying to make it to the finals and win the championship by the end of the season. And then each episode is sort of them advancing further into the season while also it will go back and sort of tell other stories of, you know, everybody on the team or whatever leading up to this point. And there's even, there's even a bad guy. Like the general manager is this short, fat little weird guy who, if they were going to make a movie about this, the guy that plays stingray on Cobra Kai would totally play him. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I don't know. 
He's just this shitty little guy that everybody hates. And and you see him because apparently since they knew it was going to be last season, they just brought a camera crew in and just filmed everything. And you can see Jordan and Scottie Pippen just being really shitty to this guy to his face. And I'm just like, good. Fuck that guy. Well, I mean, if he was breaking up their fucking team, I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah. But it's just interesting because this guy tries to like rationalize everything and it's just like, nah, you're being really shitty. And if you're going to get pissed that they're making fun of you, well, you should have known that was coming. Um, but yeah, it's just interesting. Even if you're not into sports, I think it's just interesting to watch somebody who I don't think it's a controversial statement that Michael Jordan was the greatest basketball player of all time. And just watch sort of him doing his thing and just how good he is at it. Um, there's, 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 it's just amazing how like for him, like his like baseline, like average playing ability is still better than like 80% of the other players in the NBA. And so there'll be shit like, you know, they end up getting beat or something like in a, in a series. And then the next day he'll just say, oh yeah, well, I got something for so-and-so. And then he will just fucking destroy everybody like the next game. It It's weird when guys are that much better than everybody else. Yeah. It's crazy. Like it's, it's like, you can see it coming. Like he full on was like you know just like yeah we were playing we didn't lose and then this guy smarted off to me as he was leaving the court so i basically told him okay well i got something for you for the next game and then he will just completely embarrass and destroy them while playing yeah well, serves him right and then i mean it's even like like that shitty guy like the because you know he's thinking about re- rebuilding the team and he's like, oh, yeah, I knew that uh, this guy really liked this this other guy and this other team and was going to try to make a bid for him. He, uh, he he thought he was a really good defensive player. So I pretty much just made him look like shit the next day to show that he wasn't a good defensive player. And, I mean, and he's not even, like, sabotaging or anything. He literally is just outplaying everybody. And it's just insane to watch. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, Big recommend, even if you're not a sports fan. I just think sort of the story that weaves through it is uh, kind of fascinating. So. I like that it's the uh, major league bloodline of. I know. It really is. We're going to break you guys up. So. Well, fuck you then. We'll just. It's so weird. And then they they get into Dennis Rodman being on the team and just what that's all like. And like they talk to like everybody, so they're talking to Rodman, and he's talking about how much he loves Phil Jackson because Phil Jackson, he never, he's like he never shamed me for you know, for me being me, and he knew sometimes I I just had to like get out and do something crazy to feel better. So he would, he would be like, I need two two days off, and he'd be like, All right, you have forty eight hours off. Then Rodman would fly to Vegas, do some crazy shit, 
And then, of course, be gone for four days instead of two days. <laughs> and Jordan was telling a story about that exact situation where he went and then him and Scotty Pippen had to track him down and then drag him out of his hotel room because he was sleeping and be like, well, you're coming to practice. So let's go. And they get there and he's like, and we know Phil's going to make it like a horrible practice, basically teach Dennis a lesson that he's, you know, not in good shape or whatever from being gone for four days. So then he's talking about they had to do these, I don't know. I can't remember what he called it, but essentially everybody ran in a line and the person in the front like sets the pace. And then when coach like yelled out, the person from the back of the line would run to the front of the line. And then I don't know, made sense when he was explaining it, but he's like, I was Jordan's like, I was really pissed off because I was getting punished for, for what Rodman was out doing. So I told everybody just to kind of take it easy. Like, let's just make it a nice, leisurely run and then you know they're going for a while and everything was fine and then it was dennis rodman's turn to run from the back from the end of the line to the front and he said out of nowhere rodman just took off and it took us like four laps to even catch up with him so this dude was all laid up in bed all hung over and shitty is like outworking everybody else so athletes are, are different types of people than everyone else they are it's just how it is. And then, and then later there's a story of Rodman skipped a practice during like their conference, like when they're running the uh, playoffs or whatever. And they're like, yeah, Rodman didn't show up for practice. Nobody knew where he was. And you see like footage of reporters asking Phil, like, did Rodman show up for practice? And he's like, no, he didn't show up. Do you know where he is? And you see Phil Jackson kind of look at him. And then kind of get this weird look on his face like, I don't think you'd believe me if I told you. Cut to cut to footage of him coming out with Hulk Hogan on WCW Nitro. <laughs> so he totally skipped practice to go wrestle for a day. That's funny. Because uh, I remember that like um, Hogan and Rodman showed up at Howard Stern's studio drunk from like the uh-huh. night before because back when Howard's show used to be on at whatever time it started like 7am or something right Yeah. and they showed up like drunk and they're telling Howard Stern that like Rodman's gonna go become a wrestler <laughs> and Howard's like I don't think you're allowed to do that you're a basketball there's probably rules about what you're allowed to do in your off time and you could get hurt <laughs> and they're like they're clear I remember listening to the interview and they're like slurring their words going nah he's gonna, it's gonna be great he's gonna be a wrestler now yeah it's just yeah it's funny yeah it's fascinating documentary if you get a chance to give it a watch i thoroughly enjoyed it and i don't give a shit about sports at all so everyone's taught everyone had i know that's seen it really enjoyed it so Mm -hmm. i'll get to it yeah it sounds a little bit uplifting though and i don't know if that's appropriate uh i mean it's not 100 percent to full disclosure, I found out afterwards that uh, Jordan's production company helped make it. So some of the probably more unflattering things about him, I mean, they're kind of honest. And everybody says, like, yeah, Jordan was an asshole and a jerk and kind of a piece of shit. 
but you know, once you get older and you look back on it, it's like, yeah, he was pushing everybody to be better. And he had very high standards for how everybody should be on the team. And unfortunately, when you're like the best basketball player ever, those standards are really high. So it's kind of hard to get to motivate other people to get up to that point. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Uh, all right, Doug, what are we watching next week? Next week? Well, think back to the beginning of the show. When Noah was all confused about how a Star Wars actor would still be getting roles in direct-to-video movies. And oh. I, feel, I feel like we need to explain it to him a little bit better. So next week, it's Mark Hamill week. <laughs> ah. Time Runner and Slipstream. Oh, yeah. So uh, I haven't seen either one of these in a very long time. But... uh I don't think I've seen either of them. From the titles, are they uh, time travel movies? I believe Time Runner is. Slipstream is weird. If I remember it correctly, and I might not, but I think it's like weird, futuristic world. And there's a bounty hunter chasing a guy. But they they have these weird planes that fly using a slipstream, which they will use for 90s sci-fi logic to explain to us what a slipstream is. Well, that's what I was hoping for. <laughs> and I'm not sure, but I think Mark Hamill may have a mustache in Time Runner. So. Ooh. Bonus mustache. It was that brief period of time where he was trying to make himself look older by having a mustache? <laughs> so. I'm not Luke Skywalker anymore. <laughs> you're, you're always going to be Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Don't worry about it. He seems to be. He seems to have accepted it a lot. You know, he wanted oh, yeah. to do other things, but he wasn't. Certainly wasn't bitter about the fact that people call him Luke Skywalker. Maybe in the '90s, I'm not sure what his attitude towards was it then. But <laughs> I don't know. I think I think people wanted to let him be a serious actor on TV, and then immediately figured out that that's not what people want. <laughs> Which is fine, because if Mark Hamill does one thing fucking better than anybody in the world, it's over the top. You just let... He's he's one of those actors, you're like, just take this and just go fucking berserk, and he will. Yep. He commits. You can't can't take that away from him. He commits to his roles. Yeah, I don't know if it's ever a good idea to try to rein Mark Hamill in. You just kind of just have to let let him go full bore. Yeah, I'm not sure if anyone has ever tried to rein him in. If they have, I don't know that I've ever seen anyone succeed. So oh, no, the the episode of what we do in the shadows that he's on is oh my just God. about enough to make you piss your pants. Like it's <laughs> the funniest. Jackie it starts. Daytona. It starts so good with him showing up, and then it just gets better and better and better. And then by the end of the episode, every joke that is a Mark Hamill joke is fucking gold. <laughs> Uh, man, I can't wait for that show to come back. He's be back now. I wish they would have passed some kind of weird law that forced all these people that make the shows that I like to quarantine inside of a big building <laughs> together and just crank out episodes. <laughs> be like, this is your life now. 
We're all afraid of the vid. You have to you have to live in the bunker and make what we do in the shadows. You guys know that's what the NHL did last season, basically, right? Yeah. They made all of the players live in like two hotels. Well, I guess it was like I think it was yeah. Two hotels in each city and then cry in two cities and they just they they weren't allowed to leave. So you like you could go like down to the hotel bar or you could go to your hotel room. Or you could go outside to like a special area they had where you could exercise, or you could go over to the arena, and that was it. <laughs> and they wanted to do that again for the whole next season, and the players were like, "Nope, not get locked back in there." <laughs> Weird. Weirdly enough, uh, it had the added benefit of protecting society from hockey players. <laughs> Come on, hockey players are mostly Canadian. As long as you leave them alone, you don't like trip them over the blue line or anything they'll be fine <laughs> um well do we want to chat super quick because i don't feel like there's a ton to go into but uh mandalorian from last week mandalorian sure spoilers uh, yeah spoilers yeah. from this point spoilers. forward so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so we got full-on boba fett we got, they just they fully redeemed boba fett it's like nobody can ever go oh he wasn't a badass again like, is so watch this <laughs> Yeah. Full on Boba Fett just taking stormtroopers out like a motherfucker. Yeah, that hand fucking awesome, awesome cane thing that he's got. Yeah. Smashing the, helmets. The, the gaffy stick. Yeah. Is that, is that what it's called? I know it like he got it from the sand people, but I don't actually know what yeah. it's called. Yeah, it's a gaffy stick. Mm-hmm. It's he he uses it. I was like, what would you do with that? And I'm like, oh look at all the things he can do with it. <laughs> Look at all the helmets he destroys. Yeah, I was gonna say they've been in the in the comic books and stuff. The reason why I know the name of it is they've been trying to explain for years how it's an effective weapon. Okay. Well, because it's they did it's, it. it's 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 supposed to be some kind of an offshoot of like vibro weapons, kind of. And like that weird pointy in has some kind of a concussive effect. So whenever it hits, it hits harder than you actually hit with it. I don't, I don't know. But he he fucking he fucking wrecks some stormtroopers. Oh yeah. 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 So him and uh what's her name from last season? Uh, yeah, I don't I don't remember characters' names if they only one the, the one Mando left in the desert. Yeah. Uh, Ming, is her name Ming Na Win? Is that yeah, right? some, something like yeah. that, yeah. Yeah, those two show up and then Boba Fett's like, You got my armor and Bando's basically like, no, I don't. It's not yours. They go back and forth, and then <laughs> during a siege of stormtroopers, Boba just sees it hanging out in his ship, so he just runs on <laughs> and puts it on, yep. and then just starts destroying everybody. Yeah. And then uh, I guess they sort of retcon some of the stuff from was it attack of the clones they seem to insinuate that Django like stole the armor from somebody but they actually turned that into that he was a foundling sort of like mando is right yeah they they've tried to walk the line between he got the armor legitimately but he wasn't actually a mandalorian <laughs> yeah they, they need to find well, I, to both i really thought they were going to go with cuz in the in Legends, if I remember right, it was a trophy that Django killed a Mandalorian and took his armor. Yeah. It 
in in like fair combat, and because of that, the Mandalorians couldn't take it back. Yeah. yeah. But basically, it's determined that Django fairly had the armor, and thus Boba gets to keep it. So we're gonna get more uh, armor to Boba for the rest of the season. It looks like. I was going to say, it's interesting that it's sounding like they're trying to change Boba Fett into more of this uh, honorable, savage kind of character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which which I find interesting. Yeah, considering yeah, he's just supposed to be a bounty hunter. And now he's like a monk that lives in the desert. Well, I think the idea is that he's also been living in the desert for years by himself. You know. Yeah. I think... You're you're probably going to get some lines of dialogue about how he didn't take the armor back because he knew that that town needed it and all that kind of stuff. Like that's all coming, I think. Yeah. I was going to say the one thing I found weird is once he put on the armor, I think it's partially because he was wearing the armor over his his uh, badass monk cloak or whatever the fuck he's wearing. Yeah. yeah. But did you guys think did he look a little uh, a little rotund in the middle? Well, when I showed somebody somebody the picture of him in the outfit, they're like, ooh, it looks like dad bod Boba Fett. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, Boba Fett's got a spare tire. That's a little weird. <laughs> but I well, think I mean, it's I think it's because of all the extra clothing underneath that makes it look bulky, but Yeah. I mean I think there's he's also a, a bulkier guy than he would be otherwise, right? So like just so so much older than he was in previous movies. Yeah. So just from I, being I, the Boba Beast. Yeah. I really liked the um, at the end when he <laughs> super badass took out both of the uh, stormtrooper carrier ships away, and then he's like, "Actually, I missed. I was aiming for the other one." <laughs> that was a great meta joke. I was like, super fun joke. Yeah, I'm really happy about that. It was so good. Uh, saw a little Grogu got abducted. Yeah. So the Let's Empire see. has him now. I'm sure that he will be brought back. I think he'll end up back with the Mandalorian. Eh, I don't think so. I think he's done with the show. He's done. That's it for him. No. <laughs> I could be mistaken. <laughs> uh, oh, the fucking you- the ship got ex- exploded. Oh yeah, that was weird. I was like a little surprised by that. They just fixed it, right? They need to they need to sell some more toys. Yeah. The ship had to go. <laughs> Get a new ship. Well, it also gives them an excuse to just hang out in Slave One for a while, which is yeah. super badass. I was gonna say, oh no, do you think this means Boba might die this season, and then Mando will just take his ship? Maybe. I don't uh, think Boba's gonna die. No. No. Hope not. Nah, do you guys? They kill Boba. I don't think so. Anyway, I could be wrong. Do you guys know who you think the uh, the thing called? What? The uh, the thing that they put Grogu on that sent the weird beam into space. Oh. Who who do you guys think uh, is going to answer? Oh, um, I'm beginning to wonder if it's Mace Windu. I mean, that's one of the rumors. Yeah. So I was like, we never saw him die, and now I've I've been hearing rumors that they may uh, make it so that he was the one who rescued 
Grogu out of the temple before. Yeah, I have no idea if that's him. accurate or not, but I have definitely heard the yeah. suggestion. Um, I've heard the Luke suggestion as well. Mm. I don't know if that really makes sense. Yeah. To de-age him some, bring him back? Yeah, I really want them to... Uh, I don't know why I had this idea, but they should definitely have the Empire has Luke's hand from when it was chopped off and they've cloned mm-hmm. him and then you get Sebastian Stan to play the cloned version of Luke's oh, Skywalker. Yeah. And I really want that to happen now. But <laughs> unfortunately I don't think anyone at Lucasfilm listens to this podcast, so I don't see how it would happen, but eh. I really want it to. It's Favreau though. He comes up with some great ideas. Yeah, he might just it would, happy would be pretty dope. So we'll see. As long as they don't recast Luke Skywalker, I'm fine with kind of whatever they do. They start recasting characters in the original. That doesn't tend to go well. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Maybe some somehow they'll pretend that Kit Fisto wasn't dead. Bring Kit Fisto back. <laughs> so I should mention I'm making my way through Clone Wars. I'm on season two right now. And I love me some Kit Fisto. People people fucking love Kit Fisto. <laughs> and then they killed him. Everybody's like, no. Yeah, I remember, remember liking him in the movies and then that that weird Star Wars the Clone Wars animated series they did before the actual animated series that was completely different it was like a series of shorts one of them had Kit Fisto in it it was pretty awesome uh, anything else no I mean it was badass it's it was super fun to watch Grogu toss those stormtroopers around. I liked that. <laughs> <laughs> I know there's something adorable about the fact that every time he uses the force, he has to go to sleep after too. <laughs> so, I just love it. Snappy time. Every well, time. And once again, Grogu uses the force. He uses the force in a real dark sidey way. <laughs> That's true. Eh, I don't know. Fucking with stormtroopers isn't that dark sidey. Chucking, chucking a stormtrooper isn't that bad. Picking two of them up and then beating them against the walls and the ceiling for an extended period of time. <laughs> little little different. A little different, I guess, yeah. I just like that you have no idea what's going on. And then like they open the door to the cell and he's just going to town on these stormtroopers. Yeah, I thought it was super fun. <laughs> If, at first, I was thinking Moth Gideon just had the dark saber, but I don't, I don't know something, something about the way he reacts to Grogu using his force powers and stuff. I think we're going to find out that Moth Gideon is a uh, force user of some kind. Oh yeah, I think for sure. That, that wouldn't surprise me. <clears throat> Which I saw something on Facebook with uh, that actor, Geo. Carl Tony or whatever his name is. Yeah, I don't I try uh, not to pronounce his name because I know I'll do it wrong. Yeah. So there was something that he's talking about how his four his four daughters watch this show, and they're always talking about how cute Baby Yoda is, and like, oh, please don't hurt him. And then he says, I just yell at him, saying, I'm gonna crush that little bastard beneath my feet. <laughs> <laughs> Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. 
We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Good night.